Welcome back to season two of the Tourism Geographies podcast, a podcast that showcases research published in Tourism Geographies, a peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. I'm Maartje Rudolfse, one of the producers of episodes for the show, and I come to you from Wageningen University and Research in the Netherlands. Welcome listeners of the Tourism Geographies podcast. My name is Maartje Rudolfse. I'm a researcher at Wageningen University and Research in the Netherlands and your podcast host today. And with me here are Ricardo Valente and Antonio Paolo Russo. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Ricardo and Paolo. Before we delve into your recent publication in Tourism Geographies, I would like to hear a little bit more about your background. Uh, would you care to introduce yourselves? Yeah, thanks a lot, Marcia. That's uh, Ricardo. Um, so I can say that I have a background in uh, sociology with a focus on urban studies. I currently hold a position at the Department of Sociology at the Autonomous University of Barcelona and at the Center for Demographic Studies. If I should summarize my line of research in a nutshell, I would say that I am particularly interested in uh, the structural determinants of residential choices, which is understanding why we live where we do and accordingly uh, how the characteristic of the place of residence influence people's outcomes in life in terms of income, health and exposure to violence. Wonderful. What about you, Paolo? I'm Antonio Paolo Russo, widely known as Paolo. I am a professor of uh, urban geography at the University of Virginia in Tarragona. Uh, I am a doctor in economics, uh, but then after my PhD, I worked almost exclusively with uh, geography departments. And uh, I have been coordinating uh, in the last four years uh, this uh, smartest project, which is the base of the paper that we will be discussing today. I, I do research mainly on uh, tourism geographies uh, of cities, urban change, social change, cultural change uh, as an engine of transformation. Wonderful. Thank you for that introduction, Paolo and Ricardo. Nice to meet you. Let's move on to the study that you have published in Tourism Geographies, which is entitled Labor Precarity in the Visitor Economy and Decisions to Move Out, which in a nutshell explores the relation between precarious tourism labor and precarious housing within the context of Barcelona. And this uh, study was published as part of the Smart Desk project. You mentioned it briefly, Paolo. Maybe you can explain a little bit more about it. Um, I would like to start by asking you, what are the issues that tourism laborers experience in this particular context in Barcelona, in Spain? And what are the processes that have driven the issues that you discuss in the paper? Okay, so I will take this question. Um, first of all, let me just contextualize this study. The smartest project was very broadly about uh, the rise uh, of uh, tourism and other related mobilities and social exclusions happening in, uh, in European cities and the challenges that this is posing, uh, uh, the new paradigm of uh, social exclusion that can be unfolding 
anxieties that are have of multiple mobilities and the need to rethink also uh, policy in these terms, policy for cosmopolitan cities or cities that are becoming uh, hubs of populations that are not necessarily resident population, as we know them. Okay. In the case study of Barcelona, which is one of eight case studies that have fed into this project, uh, we have focused uh, especially on the question of residential displacement. So the idea that uh, tourism uh, takes space in the city at the expenses of uh, housing uh, uh, opportunities uh, for stable, a stable population of, of residents. And within this context, uh, this strand of work that we have used for this paper, as you said, uh, especially focuses uh, on the question of uh, uh, precarious workers uh, as the, moment, the population that is at higher risk or one of the population at higher risk of uh, being subject to residential displacement. So basically what we tackled is uh, first uh, the inherently precarious nature of tourism employment characterized as seasonal discontinuous uh, which is a reflection of uh, the labor reforms that have been taken in spain and many other european countries in the wake of the big financial crisis of uh, 2008 uh, subject to a very high degree of uh, uh, subcontracting uh, gendered even if we don't get into this issue in this paper for frontline workers especially there is a very high degree of uh, genderization of uh, of, uh, of work which is one of the avenues of precarities that we have explored also in other works and subject to physically and emotionally uh, stressful uh, work uh, labor conditions uh, heavy shifts okay and we could say uh, that all that uh, has been heightened uh, also by the rise of platform work around tourism, which uh, involved the growth of casual or invisible work relations and some forms of uh, self-exploitation in care and hospitality work uh, also for middle class collectives, which is something that uh, I know that you're treating yourself in your, in your words. And Barcelona is a clear case of a city where the neoliberal expansion of the visitor economy has been given sort of free reign after the 2008 financial crisis as a sort of a reconnection strategy. However, for many people, uh, uh, increasing uh, such lines of precarity, which becomes reflected, uh, and that's the way in which we approach it in our works uh, uh, in precarious lives. Okay, and we think that the, this is also something that is in our paper that the the case study of Barcelona is easily generalizable to many other cities in the south of Europe where the only thing that didn't fail basically in 2008-2014 has been the, the visitor economy so they relied heavily on that to sustain their economy through a, a deregulation, neoliberalization of among other things, work relations. So workers have experienced a progressive loss of security, and a big dimension of that has got to do with securing access to dignified housing conditions in the proximity of work centers. And so we have analyzed how 
in a context of tourism growth, uh, this could be working as an engine on one end of residential displacement, which affects workers because it increases their exposure to unsafe and physically demanding commuting, loss of time for family conciliation, social relations. So all questions that have to do also with upwards chances for upwards social mobility, which are curbed by this, let's say, distancing, progressive distancing of residence uh, and work locations and on the other hand also in our paper we suggest and this is a line of research that we have carried forward in another paper that is still in construction or in review that uh, it has for some collectivity that this context has also worked in favor of sort of self-imposed housing precarity sort of a response tactics uh, to stay closer to job opportunities uh, but let's say uh, renouncing uh, to good housing conditions uh, that again uh, would allow a certain level of uh, upward social mobility and all that uh, has to be understood also in connection with other trends which are experienced by by barcelona and many other again mediterranean city which is uh, which are the increasingly uh, dysfunctional character of uh, transport public transport connection uh, within the metropolitan region uh, rising crime rates uh, and ricardo is the expert uh, on that uh, endeavor exclusionary place changes that may be embedded for instance in uh, gentrification of neighborhood even when there, there is a good purpose you know the greening of neighborhoods uh, sometimes uh, driving uh, exclusionary gentrification for for this collective of, uh, of, uh, of precarious workers as ricardo will explain uh, we in this particular paper we could only work uh, with official data so the whole question of uh, uh, casual workers, uh, invisible workers, uh, has been left then for other strands of research, and it's a mostly quantitative work that we did now. But we think that it's the basis for then going in deep and analyzing the results of other kind of techniques. Wonderful! Thank you so much, Paolo, for this uh, this answer. Precarity uh, seems to be a key concept that drives your study, and you've just explained a few things about it. Um, but perhaps you could describe what that means in relation to tourism labor. Yeah, sure. With regard with, uh, to what precarity means in general and for tourism labor in particular, I would uh, stress two aspects. First of all, there is no accepted definition of uh, precarity in academia. But nevertheless, a baseline definition would refer to non-standard or atypical employment relations as opposed to fixed-term and stable contracts. If you look at previous work in the literature, uh, three constitutive components of precarious work stand out. First, the temporal and short-time nature of contracts. Second, the vulnerability of worker rights, which means that precarious workers generally have low negotiating power in the labor market. And third, low wages. A second key aspect refers to the fact that precarity pervades multiple spheres of life beyond labor itself. And in our paper, we analyze one of these spheres, which is housing precarity. 
Our findings reveal that workers that were employed in tourism-related occupation in Barcelona from 2008 onwards had lower salaries and more temporal and discontinuous jobs than workers in other sectors. And so far, we just confirmed something that we knew already from several case studies before our own. But besides that, and that stands, in my opinion, as our main contribution to the field, we found that these precarious working conditions led to greater housing insecurity. In particular, the combination of low wages and being employed in tourism emerged as a consistent predictor of the decision to move out of the city. And this often translates into an increase in the time spent commuting to work with all the possible negative consequences this could entail. You mentioned very briefly, Paolo, uh, already that you were relying on publicly available data. But you use different kinds of data uh, to examine the questions here under study. Could you tell us a little bit more about why you chose this re- approach? What, what, uh, how did it help you answer? your questions. So as with any empirical analysis, we needed to find a balance between the best possible conceptualization and the actual availability of data. So our empirical approach was grounded on the baseline definition of precarious work that I have mentioned earlier. And in line with the indication of uh, previous studies, we measured precarity as a combination of low salary, temporality and discontinuity of contracts. However, the added value of our analysis lies in that we access data that opened the possibility to uh, model precarity and its effect on residential choices from a longitudinal perspective. And this is very rare in the literature due, due to uh, data scarcity. The study is based on the continuous sample of working life, which is a data set that includes uh, repeated measures over time for more than 8,000 workers in Barcelona that have had some relationship with the security, the social security system in, in the city. Uh, what we did was to isolate two different periods one between 2008 and 2013, for which we had variables of precarity at work, and a second period between 2013 and 2019 to analyze if exposure to precarity in the previous period was associated with greater odds of moving to a new residence outside Barcelona. We controlled this relationship for other possible reasons to change residence, for instance, having a child or changing work location, and we run a structural equation model to test our hypothesis. So thanks to this uh, longitudinal lens, we found that precarity is a persistent condition. Those who held a job in tourism-related sector at the beginning of our timeline also did several years later in the same poor precarious conditions. And also, if individuals have Uh, been working in tourism, they were more likely to uh, have moved out of the city between 2013 and 2019. In practical terms, this means that almost one in 10 tourism workers in Barcelona, about 9.2%, moved out of the city during the time period considered, which is significantly higher than for those who have made the same choices uh, from other uh, occupational sectors. That's a very interesting finding. Um, 
And I guess also within the context of the pandemic, this data set is temporarily very specific, but it would be interesting to look at what's happening next following the, the onset of, of the pandemic. Thank you so much, Ricardo, for that answer. So these are some of the, the main findings of your study. What do you think we can learn from it in the sense that what can local governments in particular learn from this or employers in the tourism sector? How can they contribute to the capacity of workers to actually afford to live closer to their place of employment if there's such uh, an opportunity? Yeah, we'll take this one. Um, I will say that when you analyze uh, the agency of tourism in social transformation, you have to do that in relational terms. Uh, so on one hand, you have the growing tourist pressure or the pressure towards the cosmopolitization of the city. On the other hand, uh, you have uh, you have uh, the residential choices and of residents and how they then revert uh, in uh, in uh, in increased life uh, life precarity for some. Okay, and uh, from a policy point of view, these two aspects of almost always being kept separated. So you have, you have a, a tourism promotion a policy, a, 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 a sort of a pro-growth policy approach in, uh, in tourism. And on the other hand, you have social policies at local level with, uh, which are supposed to mitigate some of, some of this effect. But the, the, two, the, the two domains uh, have not been tackled together for a long time. Maybe uh, signs of change in Barcelona were here with the first mandate of Ada Colau because she, uh, she put on the table the fact that tourism growth was starting to become uh, and hindrance uh, for uh, uh, for especially the most vulnerable collective, but in a moment in which uh, the vulnerable collectives uh, in the city were uh, a very big strata of the population because we were coming out of um, the financial crash. And, and I say, I, I, I'm, I'm insisting on the fact of the first mandate because there has been a second mandate and now there is a, a whole new city government uh, and this this uh, this capacity to understand uh, the problem of social exclusion uh, integrating it uh, to visions of the development of the tourist city ha- has changed over time also the, the the capacity to have an integral polity uh, about all that so i would say that uh, on one hand this should continue now with the new government uh, but it's going to be more exposed to negotiations with economic agents. And so we already saw how the real estate and financial sector moguls have intervened in the electoral debate uh, with the more, most recent elections this year. And the whole controversy, for instance, on uh, super eagles, the super blocks uh, that are the, 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 the crown uh, achievement of the governments of Ada Colau in terms of uh, pacification and mobility transitions uh, as an important part of uh, urban planning uh, or the regulations on short-term rentals uh, have been part of this attempt to reset the balance. Okay, and, and maybe we should also not neglect the role of the state and of the Catalan government in all that. So again, we, we cannot uh, confine uh, the policy issues here to just a local level of governance. There are many other levels involved when we talk about uh, 
housing regulation, we have to think about the Catalan level. When we talk about labor regulation, which is the other side of the equation, it's about the national regulations. Uh, and uh, it's true there have been uh, interesting reforms in this sense uh, by the socialist government at central state, but it's not sufficient to guarantee a certain security for workers in a very highly tensioned housing market as that of, of Barcelona. So what can policy do is a part of what we have done in Smartest, not in this particular paper, but something that came forward, which has been the result of a sort of a, a participatory process with local stakeholders, economic agents, based on a, on a modeling exercise that Ricardo has set up, where we could isolate the policy instruments that are more likely to uh, have uh, a real impact uh, on housing affordability. And the, the interesting thing is that they have basically nothing to do with uh, tourism expansion, but on the capacity to control the housing market uh, and uh, to guarantee uh, salary levels uh, that are make housing affordable. So we are more in the domain of social and housing uh, and urban policy than in the domain of, uh, of tourist policy which uh, to some extent is a sort of an exogenous force of transformation of, uh, of the city. Um, we, we, are, we are hoping uh, that these results uh, will get to the policy level and they can maybe rethink or redesign uh, policy instruments in this domain, uh, taking into account this kind of, uh, of exercise that we have, we have been able to set up. Thanks for that, uh, Paula, and it's, it's exciting to hear what you're working on and building on the, the results of this study for future research. So you've just explained to us how um, the previous coalition led by Ada Colau um, has um, made a few of those matters that, that are pr uh, prominent in your study, um, uh, key points in the electoral program with mixed results, of course. Um, any thoughts on uh, the newly elected mayor and perhaps the coalition and what they might do in relation to this topic and, and what implications this may have for tourism workers in the city? Okay, my, my impressions, and just impression, the impression is that some of the policy, very courageous, policy initiatives that have been taken by the previous governments, uh, which have to do with uh, caps on rental prices, on uh, the obligation for real estate promoters, uh, the big real estate promoters, to reserve a quota of their promotions uh, for social housing, and the big investment uh, in, uh, in the offer of new social housing within the metropolitan area they could be sort of depowered in the new government because the new government is much more open to negotiating all that with the big players in in the real estate promotion industry. Well, we know for a fact, for instance, that these players are reunited into a sort of a lobby, which has a name in Barcelona, which has not only pushed uh, this new mayor, but has also made it very clear that uh, we should embrace uh, boosterism and time and let go of this uh, 
regulations that were sort of like uh, diminishing the rentability of a real estate promotion operation. So, of course, uh, we'll see, uh, but there is a real risk that from that point of view, there are going to be some step, steps back uh, to a period in which uh, the level of tourism growth in Barcelona was not that intense and the whole discourses were about uh, facilitating growth, uh, selecting uh, the most profitable markets uh, and uh, designing the city for all that. And now we are in a situation in which the pressure is much more. Uh, we have already seen which kind of uh, social vulnerabilities uh, could be opened uh, in this uh, context, uh, but the agenda could be the same in the future. Ricardo, I don't know if you want to add something about I don't know how to position myself with regards with what the next municipal government will do. I would say I would agree with you that any step that go towards better redistribution policy would help because, I mean, my impression is that there is a huge economic influx that comes from tourism, but it is it's, it's not well distributed, I mean, because uh, tourism workers are leaving the city, so... I would add, Marcia, another, another very important uh, issue here, which is the way in which uh, these questions have to do with local, the local geography of risk in Barcelona connects uh, with another imperative of policy, a global imperative of policy for any tourist place uh, in the future, which is the fight against the climate crisis. And that, that goes through a revision, reduction, new forms of uh, taxation of uh, international mobilities, but we are not yet at that point when, it, when, it, when, when, when this debate boils down to the local level. So we are still saying uh, we want a new Olympics, we want a new terminal of the airport, uh, we want a new uh, theme park, uh, because this is a boost for the economy. When on policy documents you say you 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 wanted to do something about the climate crisis and uh, all of that will have local implications which go beyond the, the environmental question it, it's a it's a sort of a social environmental issue that that is becoming more and more apparent uh, so there, there is a disconnection between uh, overarching global policy discourses uh, and what is then actually advocated uh, at, at local level by the hegemonic uh, uh, policy coalitions. And, and this is an issue that will have to be solved in a moment. We, we want to see examples of cities uh, that uh, uh, openly uh, embrace uh, a degrowth agenda on mobilities uh, by being uh, perfectly knowledgeable about what that means uh, it doesn't necessarily mean losing jobs, but it could also mean having better jobs locally, having more stable local constituencies, having a more regular and less dependent tax base that raised by local residents. And I don't think that this is, we are still in Barcelona and many other Mediterranean cities that we are at that point. 
Wonderful, Paolo. Thank you for, for pointing out those very complicated dynamics that really extend upon, upon the local. And I think in that sense, we can also learn a lot from your study. And if there are any listeners here who are working within uh, those policy domains or working for city governments that are uh, looking at degrowth strategy, strategies that you ju just uh, mentioned, I would say contact uh, Paolo and Ricardo uh, to work on this interesting uh, field of research. I have to say thank you very much for your time, Ricardo and Paolo, because I think unfortunately our time is up for now. Uh, but as I said, I think your study makes a tremendously important contributions to uh, debates also beyond labor, tourism labor. It, it really extends across the whole field of sustainable tourism, if I may say so, and the role that uh, tourism employment has herein. It extends beyond that, as you mentioned, uh, to debates around the climate crisis. Um, we will keep an eye out on your future work uh, and listeners stay tuned for the upcoming Tourism Geographies podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. We look forward to you joining us again next week. I'm Marcia Rudolfsen. Bye for now.